Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 62 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Archie from Chicago, is it? Chicago. Yeah, so uh, what are you doing out here? Where, we, where are we, and and yeah, why are we on the show? <laughs> <laughs> right now, we're in Johnny's apartment. Uh, we're in Chiang Mai, and uh, he asked me uh, yesterday to get interviewed for this podcast. Uh, I just got here in Chiang Mai mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um, first time in Chiang Mai, Thailand, Asia as, as a whole, so kind of booked this trip last minute, came on out. Nice. So the reason why I wanted you to, on the show is because you have a cool story. So you own <clears throat> both a physical products brand, uh, Archie Lane, which is... Alfred. Uh, Alfred Lane, sorry. Alfred Lane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I named after yourself. Um, so it's, uh, it's so- men's solid cologne. And you also have a dropshipping store, so I want to ask you about kind of both of those things. But let's start with the with the Alfred Lane. Uh, tell me about that. Okay, so uh, I started this with a partner, um, Raphael, um, about two years ago, and the product it's a men's solid cologne, and not a lot of people have heard about it. Um, actually, cologne started out solid before it was liquid. Oh, really? I didn't it's know like, that. Yeah, it's like ancient Egyptian, like, like um, is, is where it started um, before the alcohol based. Um, uh, colognes and perfumes came, came about so it, it's kind of it's a balm like substance it comes in a small tin can uh, it allows you to take your cologne with you when you travel you don't have to worry about TSA taking it you don't have to worry about your bottle breaking in your suitcase or anything like that so uh, we saw an opportunity there and yeah we, we decided to jump in that, that's a cool backstory because I had no idea um, that that was a kind of old school thing and I think a lot of great products are based off things that people used to do uh, better and then somehow it just got forgotten. So one of the things I actually just ordered online yesterday is a double-edge safety razor. Oh, yeah. uh, have you ever seen those? Yeah, no, no, I, I got one. I started using one about about six months ago. Oh, nice. So for those who don't know about it and still use like a Gillette Mach, Mach 3 or whatever they have now, like the Fusion Pro Glide 4, <laughs> you yeah, know, battery five, operated. Six, seven yeah. So back in the day, people, will, you know, so everyone's probably know, knows about the straight razors where you know, it's just like a knife. Um, the reason why I don't like those is you got to sharpen it. You know, it's kind of a pain in the butt. But the double edge razor is what your grandfather maybe used, where you actually use razor blades. And the razor blades are dirt cheap. I think I, I spend like a penny. You know, I, I'll buy like a pack of a thousand uh, for ten bucks and it'll last me forever. And they're sharp. Um, you know, they're disposable. But the actual blade itself, it just I don't know. It just feels like. Something that you like, you know, you it feels like you're you're holding a piece of metal instead of a plastic, you know, thing for a teenager. Yep. So you know that's a great market as well uh, for anyone who's kind of getting ideas on you know what's out there. But what I really like about your product is that actually makes sense because I travel a lot. I don't travel with cologne because it's liquid, it's glass. You know, it's kind of just a pain. But you know, if I had one of these, you know. Um, I would travel with it, you know, because, you know, sometimes like even even if you're just a digital nomad and you're not really planning on going out clubbing or anywhere nice, sometimes you will. Like, you know, even yep. if you think your whole vacation is going to be backpacking or, um, you know, or just, you know, even work related once in a while, you'd be like, you know what? It's Friday night. Let's go out. Yeah. Yeah. You still want to smell, you know, smell nice. Like and that, that was one of the big problems before I was worried about TSA taking it or breaking. So, yeah, I could still still smell good on the go. Yeah, I like it. So if you guys want to check out that site, it's alfredlane.com. Yep. Yeah, that's dope. I like it. So if you have this great brand, why do you also have a dropshipping store? Okay, so the story kind of goes, um, I originally about three, well, no, two years ago, created my first dropshipping store. Mm-hmm. Um, the niche I chose was horrible. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and tell you. It was actually, um, it was like pet clothing um like for dogs and and that type of thing so i had heard about drop shipping from two or three different people i decided let me go ahead and get in that the reason why i chose the pet clothing niche is just i found a site that already had their pre-approved suppliers Mm -hmm. so it was easy for me to get in um of course when you find that there's also a bunch of competition which which is horrible but i didn't know you know i was a beginner i was in the beginning 
So I chose that. It was called Westbark. Okay. Um, That's actually, a good name. No, no, it was it was a it was a hot name, hot brand. Yeah, actually, yeah. the the website looked really good, but I originally chose that. But two problems I definitely came across. Well, three. One, it was too competitive. The mm-hmm. niche. Um, the second, the average purchase price um, per order was was too low. Okay. And it was forty fifty dollars. When you're doing drop shipping, you need something higher than that. Um, mm-hmm. You need better margins. Um, and then also there were too many returns and exchanges. You know, let alone humans, you know, how we exchange stuff, let alone their dogs. No yeah. one knows the correct size. Yeah, I mean, because, like, if I was going to order a shirt for my dog, I would I'd be like, oh, it's a, he's a medium. <laughs> you know, but what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, people have no clue. And some of the suppliers didn't have a very friendly um, return exchange policy. Mm-hmm. So some of them, they had to ship it to, like, my apartment. Yep. And then I had to get, and it, it was it was just horrible. So I was actually doing that. I was making maybe $150 a month or so, okay. like month three. Was this before you started Alfred Lane? Or yeah, after? before. Okay. Before. And so, so I was doing that, um, and I still had my nine to five. Okay. So I was working for a big, you know, kind of Fortune 500 uh, company, and I, I hated hated that job mm-hmm. it, it wasn't exactly a horrible job i, I like the people i was working with but I, I just knew there was there was something better like this just can't this can't be it mm-hmm. um so i actually um took took a break i went into this i think the place was called freshy okay um i came across, across this guy who it was mark bars and they they had him in the freshy and, and i was in line and i was hearing this guy talking and then i put two and two together and i was like oh this is mark i was like Oh, this is your bar, like, Mar- oh, like yeah, Mark's nice. bar. Okay. And and I saw it, I, I started talking to him. I'm like, well, how'd you get into Freshy, like this, yeah. this store? And he was like, I just simply came in with my product and asked if they would like it in my store. Oh, nice. And I'm just like, is it that? Is it that easy? <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's that. And he definitely inspired me. And then I was like, from that, I'm gonna create a physical product. I was kind of tired of sitting in front of a computer all day. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to create a physical product. What was your last normal job? Like, did you ever have like a nine to five job? Yeah, I quit in February of okay. 2014 was my was my last. So you were doing all this while having a normal yep, job? Yep, okay. I did all this, yep. And what kind of job was that? Um, I was a digital marketing manager for okay. a um, real estate firm. Okay, so you got to learn a little bit of the back end of, or like, I mean, were you doing, like, uh, Google Ads? Or yeah, PPC, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I already knew about SEO, PPC, uh, on-page optimization. Okay. That type of and has that helped a lot for your, your brands, both your dropshipping store as well as your... Your cologne? Oh, tons, tons. Okay. I, I think once you choose the right niche, um, you know, marketing is, is, is everything in, okay. in terms of optimizing your website, um, you know, Google ads, Google shopping. Yeah, yeah, that, that background helped. Uh, it, it helped a lot. I still had to learn a lot because I was doing that for other people and not myself. But, um, yeah, that helped. Yeah, I definitely think it does help. Um, what I like about paid ads is... Like, personally, I don't do any SEO. So SEO is search engine optimization. And it's basically getting your websites to rank high for certain terms. So for like Alfred Lane, it might be solid cologne or buy cologne online or, you know, things like that. So the reason why I don't like messing with that stuff is because it changes all the time. You know, like with people that, you know, do SEO for a living, they're always on top of things. And every, like things will go well for two months and then Google will have an update and they'll freak out and, you know, want to jump off a building the next day. With paid ads, to me, it's very simple. You know, if I'm paying uh, less money than I'm making, then I'm happy. Yep. <laughs> and today, I actually just showed my girlfriend, Larissa, who's now my, my business partner for my new stores, you know, the kind of what I do um, in Google AdWords for the, sh- for the shopping ads. Because in the beginning, 80, 90% of your traffic and your customers is going to come from a paid ad. You know, eventually, I don't want to always have to pay forever. But uh, in the beginning, I'm happy to. I'm like, you know what? This is quick. It's simple. And I was showing her the back end um, of our products. And I said, okay, so for uh, this brand and these products, we spent $50 um, advertising so far these last two weeks. Uh, how much have we made in profit? Yep. And she you know, she just had a real basic Google spreadsheet. She's like, oh, okay, so for that one, we made 150 bucks. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'll trade 50 bucks for 150 any day. Yep. And then another brand, another product, you know, we spent 30 bucks advertising, but we didn't make any sales. So I'm like, well, you know what, let's let it run for another two weeks. And then if it still doesn't make any money, let's, let's just pause that one. Uh, and then there's another one that we made like 900 bucks off of and spent, I think, I think we spent like 40 bucks advertising for this <laughs> and we made $900 in profit. And we're like, you know what, I'll sell that all day. Let's, let's figure out how to scale that one up. So, you know, these things, you know, 
to me are it's kind of like you don't have to learn all that stuff so if you guys don't have a background in pay-per-click or google advertising you can still do it by just saying you know what let me just pay for the ads let me just do the basics but i would agree that this stuff helps a ton having the having your background yeah yeah um I mean, I, I like building a business through PPC first mm-hmm. for my drop shipping. That's all I that's all I do. Okay. Um, now the SEO, I, I did some on-site optimization, but things have changed even the past two years. It, it's hard to, you know, the link building. Google shut that all down. Like really, the best way optimize do on-page optimization, create so, some good content. But just, just a real quick uh, overview. What what do you mean by? By uh, on-page SEO for the for the for the, those who don't know. Yeah, on-page. Um, I mean, doing some basic keyword research into how your customers are searching and mm-hmm. what keywords are using to find your product. Sometimes it's not exactly straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing that basic keyword uh, research and then making sure you're just putting those within the, the, the title, um, the description, the page title, just, just those those basic basic things um, are, are the first step for, for SEO. So for like, let's say your, your dog clothing example, mm-hmm. right? So you know, let's say you had a product called like the the you know blue Nalgene Model X, but it's actually a T-shirt for Pitbull. You should probably call it T-shirt for Pitbull somewhere in the title, the description, you know, and you know somewhere on the page. So when people are searching for that, they know. Yep. Now I would include even in the description like this is a T-shirt for small and large dogs, you know, because some people search for large, small. So just making sure that those things are on your on your website. Yeah, and I would say you know definitely these things are are very important. But as uh, as Arch was just mentioning in the beginning, especially if you're doing like a dropshipping store, don't even worry about all that in the beginning. No. Just just pay for the ads. Yeah. Yeah, just put up even just put up your basic descriptions. Don't even worry about that, and then immediately start with PPC because. The good thing about starting with PPC is that you it forces you to choose a niche mm-hmm. where you have proper margins. Mm. So you don't want to choose a niche where you only depend on SEO because now you're also depending on Google and they can change that rhythm, the, especially the organic um, algorithm. Mm-hmm. They can change that and you lose all your business. But if you build it off of PPC, that's not going anywhere for Google. That's how they make their money. Yep. It's more solid. You start with that, then you can start doing some of the SEO after once you start building it on yeah, PPC. Yeah, definitely great advice. So PPC is pay-per-click, which means if I'm paying Google 30 cents every time someone clicks one of my ads for my you know, my Pitbull t-shirt, if you know the, the money, the profit I make from that, that click uh, is worth it, then... I have a business. If it's not, and I'm only trying to get free traffic, you know, or, you know, and basically to me, that's called getting lucky. You know, <laughs> like you might get lucky for a few months uh, if you spend enough time, you know, trying to get lucky, but it's not, you know, viable for the long run. So if you can't, you know, as you said, if you can't build a business where you can, where you're paying for the ads, um, then you shouldn't be in that business at all. Yeah, yeah, the, mar- the margins are, are are too thin, and, and it's, it's not going to work out long term. So. so one thing that I actually like is you're one of the few very successful people with the, the dropshipping store that wasn't a part of Anton's course. You actually figured out this stuff out on your own. Do you think a lot of that had to do with your background, with uh, both your your jo- the job that you worked at, as well as you know you starting the the dog clothing store that that didn't work out and then this new this uh cologne store yeah yeah a lot of it is yeah my background helped um there were still some things i had to learn and i started off i don't know there was an e-commerce fuel i think andrew i, I forgot his last name yeah. And yeah he had like a drop shipping um like pdf um type of guide I, I read through that information so a lot of it i learned through yeah j- just podcast um pdfs guides and I kind of stumbled my way through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, like, Anton's course, I haven't went through it. But mm-hmm. I have listened to probably just about every Anton interview. <laughs> yeah. And I've listened to what you said. Just just do what he says. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it'll save you. So many people try to be, I think, too creative or too innovative. Or, or like, a, sometimes it can be an ego thing. Even mm-hmm. I had to go through this. If someone's already done it and this, just stick to the script... <laughs> After you've done that script, then you can start trying, you know, different types of things. That's what I recommend. Yeah. And, you know, to me, it like, I think it just saves people lots of headache. Uh, I think for you, one of your best qualities is even though that first niche didn't do well, you didn't give up. You're like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pushing ahead. I'm going to find a new niche uh, with better margins or better, you know, better, better profits, less pass or less returns. Uh, but I think majority of people, I would say 98% of people would just give up. 
you know, it's almost like, let's say you, you started a restaurant or something and then it failed. How many people actually start a second restaurant? Yeah. It's very, very few. Especially no, if you burn through all this money, this time. Yeah, it, it, it's true. But I was pretty determined to get out of my nine to five. Like okay. if it would have took 10 years to figure it out, then I would have worked on it for ten years. Like, like that's that's the level. I, I mean, even for for um, Alfred Lane, I, I actually I, I quit doing the dog clothing business. Mm-hmm. Started Alfred Lane, that was doing well. I had a little bit more time. Then I started the second drop shipping stores because I wanted two streams of income, mm-hmm. and, and both of those are, are, are doing well. So, so that was kind of the the process. I think it's really cool that you have both. You know, because you know somebody once said multiple streams becomes a river right and i'm actually really happy that i got um i started this new dropshipping store with larissa because my supplier my main one of my main suppliers for my original store started just being you know kind of a pain in the butt you know just you know for whatever reasons just like it before i used to you know stress out like oh man if i you know i have to kiss her butt you know make sure (laughs) she's happy or you know because that's like you know majority of my business but now that i have these other stores and the new stores actually easier to deal with the pro- the margins are better everything's better yeah. i'm just like oh you know what? if the other one doesn't go well i don't even care yeah. and by having you know kind of you know not not being so desperate i would say that allows you so many more opportunities yeah no that that was a big motivator i, I don't know i read some blog it was talking about you know having always be in control you know the abc always be in control of your life and i, I wanted to put myself in a place where i, I never wanted to put my livelihood in the hands of one person. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when, if you have a nine to five or, or something like that. Like if you don't please your boss, mm-hmm. that one person can change your entire livelihood. So yeah. I, I wanted to do the same thing even for myself with my businesses. I, I didn't want you know, to, to put any, any one business or one supplier that controlled like my life. So, um, so yeah, I, I wanted multiple streams of income. But I also got to say, you don't want to spread yourself too mm-hmm. thin. Like, that you, you can go too far with that. Do one, yep. have it start succeeding, and then branch off. And yep. for, for, for me, like two is good. I'm not doing any, anything else. Um, yeah, that's smart, especially because they're, they're two kind of separate things. But do you think that a lot of the skills that you learned from your <clears throat> you know, your brand helped with your dropshipping store and vice versa? Yeah, I, th- I think there was um, a consi- considerable amount of um, crossover between those, between those two. Yeah, for sure. And here's one thing that, that I've actually noticed is like when you like let's say so if you guys want to start a brand you guys want to you know warehouse your own products or make your own products it's actually smart to start with things that aren't too expensive to make uh aren't too heavy to ship you know and you know pretty like so your overhead's pretty low so you know with the solid colognes you know they're pretty small i mean like each of these weigh you know a couple ounces at the most right they're 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 tiny they're probably like the size of a tic tac box yep and um Versus, let's say you wanted to, you know, to make something huge, like a, like a, you know, you wanted to sell like tiny homes or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be expensive up front. It's going to be hard to ship. It's going to be expensive. But with dropshipping, what I like about it is you can basically do the exact opposite. You're like, well, I'm not, I'm not um, responsible for warehousing any of this stuff anyways. I'm not paying for any of it up front. So I almost might as well sell the biggest, heaviest, most expensive things out there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why I love the drop shipping model. Um, is yeah, it, it just doesn't. You, you don't have to invest that that, that inventory, the, mm-hmm. the the cost of that inventory up front. Um, what it can also do, if you want to go into your own product, a good way is to start with drop shipping because you start reselling other people's products, mm-hmm. then you can find out what sells. So that's what I'm actually doing in my drop shipping store. Mm-hmm. I plan by the end of the year to launch my own private brand. Because now I know exactly what sells. And if you don't have that data, mm-hmm. then you're just guessing. So I, I have like three, right now my store has about 300, 350 different products. Um, it, it's the 80-20 rule. There, mm-hmm. There's 20% of my products or 80% of my income. So, But now I know exactly what those products sell. And now, now I can... Um, and money talks because, you know, you could have asked people. You could have done, you know, research online. No, you don't know. But yeah, at the end of the day, if someone's not physically paying for that and they're not returning it... Then you, that's how you know someone you know finds value in it. Yep. And what's cool about your dropshipping store is you have a list of customers who who bought, and those are the easiest customers to get to rebuy. Yep, for, you know? for sure, for sure. Because even if they don't rebuy the product, 
itself, you know, they'll have friends or, you know, coworkers or someone who is probably has similar interest to them, um, kind of, you know, and to remarket to them is really easy. Yep. yep. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I would say also with, um, with Alfred Lane, it's kind of the same thing. You're, you're building up your, your list. And what's nice about the cologne is it's, um, it's something that people will be buy. You know, first off, they might want to just have different scents. You know, and right now you have how many scents do you have? We have three. Three. All right. So you know, someone might like the the Vanguard, and but they want to try out the the Brio or the um, the Bravado. You know, they're like, well, you know, I like this. Let me let me have these other ones. Or I want to keep one in my glove box. I want to keep one at work. I want to keep one while I'm traveling, so they can be order. Um, when their friends see it, they can, you know, they're like, oh yeah, would you get that? And yep. you can, you know, they'll buy as well. So that's what I really like about having a brand. Uh, and eventually, I want to have a brand as well. Um, I actually used to sell cologne. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm, oh, I'm really? people know about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I didn't realize what e-commerce was or <laughs> what I was doing. But basically what happened was I used to like this brand of cologne called um, LP9 by Penhaligans, which is this English cologne maker. Mm-hmm. And But it was a seasonal cologne. So after that season, it was, it was done. And I think I had bought some, you know, bought a bottle, like one of the last bottles out there. And then I was like, man, if I run out of this, what am I going to wear? So I started Googling, like, you know, and people on forums talking about, like, oh, where can you get this? And I was like, well, I wonder if someone could just make it, you know? So I sent the rest of my bottle to a, um, to a, a cologne maker. Yeah, perfumer. Yeah, yeah, perfumer in Florida. And I said, hey, can you replicate this? And they're like, yeah, no worries. Uh, so I picked a bottle. I picked, you know, a name. And I was like... I was selling this, you know, just on this crappy looking website. <laughs> you know, I, I think I only had PayPal as a checkout. And I just had the box of this stuff at my parents' house in San Francisco. And I would just go to, you know, I would literally walk to the post office and mail it every time someone bought one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a great business making money. But I think that gave me a little bit of confidence of, of selling stuff online. Um, unfortunately, I didn't follow through with it. I just like, I did that and decided it was too much of a pain in the butt because if you guys ever want to ship glass and liquids, especially international, just, you know, just don't do it. It's, yeah. you know, so I learned that was a bad niche. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, but you, you have to, I mean, you, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Like you, you, it's more important that you just do something, even if it doesn't work out. Because you're going to learn much more by actually doing it versus, you know, list, you know just reading books or, or that type. Like actually do, pick something. And, and go with it, and then you, you you'll learn pretty fast. Yeah, and I think that if I you know if I had like a mentor or a course I could you know that I was able to follow, I think I I could have made it work because you know obviously people were buying it. I just didn't really know how to do any of the back end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you know it's it's one of those things where everything can work if, as long as you actually dedicate to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so successful is. You know, you were telling me the story how in the beginning, uh, you basically just walked into stores and, and said, you know, hey, you know, would, would you carry this? Like, how, how, like, what was that process like? Yeah, the process. So, in, in the beginning, um, we decided we was going to, to make men's solid cologne. We had come across a solid perfume, mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't really anybody doing that for men. So, that's how we decided. Plus, we travel a lot, and, and um, so we was like, okay, let's do that. And we looked at each other. It's like, do you know how to make solid cologne? You know, no, <laughs> we, had, we had no clue. So we actually went back to the store where that solid perfume um, was sold, mm-hmm. saw the list of ingredients, ordered it, Googled, watched YouTube videos, found a bunch of mom blogs, came up with their own recipe. We got the final product. Um, we contacted a wood maker. Um, to, we, we, we have this little cigar box. It's a point of sale mm-hmm. that, that retailers really like because we, we knew that's how it had to be sold. Um, in, in so they don't stores. actually get the box when they, when they buy the cologne or do they? No, that, that's only for the retailers. Okay. Yeah, for the display retailers. Yeah, um, individuals just, just get the cologne. Um, so yeah, a- after we created all that, we just went store to store in Wicker Park there in Chicago, a neighborhood. We got like four or five no's. Some people like kind of laughed, <laughs> yeah. like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. But we finally got a yes. Um, and then, you know, we got about three or four stores in Chicago and we just started growing, growing. And now we're in 79 stores in nine countries. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's literally a, a story, for, you know, that you would read in Forbes or you know, one of these business magazines. Because how old are you at the time? Uh, 32. Okay. And you, I mean, you're walking around basically the streets of Chicago. <laughs> in the winter, there was a snowstorm once. Oh. Like, we're like looking at each other like, are, are, is, 
like we're crazy. It's like snow. It's a snowstorm, uh-huh. or we go store to store. But you have you have to start somewhere, and, and once you get the the ball rolling, um, it you know it goes from there. So yeah. And your business partner was, was he as gun ho as you, or were you the one convincing him like, oh, let's just go, you know, let's go to one more store, let's go to one more store. No, he 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 was he was gun ho. I, I would say I had a little bit more confidence that it would eventually work, work out, mm-hmm. but you know, he he was he was there with me for sure. Because one of those things where, um, like. In the beginning, you know, you can do consignment, right? And that, that, is that what you started with? That's how we started. Yeah, that's the only way we got into the, the first two or three stores was consignment. So what that you know term is, if you guys don't know, is basically you go to a store and say, like, look, don't even give me any money yet. Let me just put this display in your store. And as people actually buy it, then you can pay me back for it. And to them, there's really no risk. You know, it takes up some of their sh- uh, shelf space. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's no risk to them. Because, you know, because basically... You know, you're you know you're trusting them not to run off with your product, or your money, uh, and you're just in hopes that people like it enough to buy, and then they'll they'll reorder, or yeah. you would have just wasted your time. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I will say, I wanted to eliminate as as much risk on whatever physical product I did. I wanted to eliminate as much risk that at least I knew it would make some money. I didn't know how much money it would make, but the reason why I knew it was make would make money is we went back to the store that sold the solid perfume, mm-hmm. and I just had to ask the the owner of the store one question. Are yeah. people buying this? Yeah, and he said yes, and that's 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 it. That's it. I knew. I'm like, okay, if women are buying it, and I know in the like the beauty products and that type, more more men. It's actually growing at a higher mm-hmm. rate than, than women. I mean, the women's market is bigger, but the men's market is growing at, mm-hmm. at a at a greater rate. I knew that men would buy it too. So I did eliminate. It seemed like very risky this random product, mm-hmm. but I also made sure that it would sell before we even started. You know, and that's actually a question that I ask my suppliers, pretty, you know, pretty bluntly. I'm like, you know, I'm like, what are your best-selling products? And they're usually pretty open about it. You know, they'll be like, yeah, these three. And I'll just promote the crap out of those three. And then everything else, I don't even look at until I see people either clicking on those ads um, or, or buying it. And then I'm like, okay, someone's buying it. Now let me spend my time to <clears throat> rewrite the description, you know, have better photos or whatever it is. But <clears throat> with dropshipping... Every time I pick a niche, I just ask myself, is somebody buying it? You know, are they buying it online? <clears throat> and if so, why not buy it from me? Yeah, no, it, it, it's true. Like, like pick, pick a niche and, you know, put it into Google and see who's advertising. And when you know, if people are advertising and spending money, you know they're making money on it. Other than that, they wouldn't be spending any money on advertising. Yeah, so for, for me and uh, Lewis's new niche, what we did was, you know, we have two kind of sub some niches within one brand because it all kind of fits together. Mm. And so the cheaper items, the $200 items, there's tons of competition. You know, like tons of people are advertising and spending money to sell it. And because it's a $200 item, the profit on it might be like 50 bucks or something, uh, which is okay. Uh, but if you end up spending a lot on advertising, it kind of eats away at that. Yep. And the other products are over $1,000 and there was actually no one advertising for it. So we're like, Man, we, we don't know if it's going to work or not. Um, but I just asked myself, I'm like, you know what? These, these, these companies are still in business. You know, they're answering their phone. <laughs> like, you know, they're updating their website. They have to be selling some of these products. Like, or, you know, or they wouldn't be in business. So I was like, you know what? Let me just, let me just do the gamble. You know, I just t- take a gamble. And there's ways to, you know, find out if, if things are, are selling or not. I mean, one of the easiest ways to look at the, um, the completed auctions on eBay and you're not going to want to sell on eBay just because those type of customers are not going to be the ones that you want to try to sell to. You know, those are the people you know who want the super bargains. They don't really care about customer service. They just want the cheapest item. Mm-hmm. But then you can see if people are actually buying it or not. Or you can go on Amazon and you can see are people leaving reviews that say like verified purchase because that means people are buying it. Um, you know, you can look at the seller ranking of how many, you know, like if it's number 1,000 overall, you know, items sold on Amazon is probably selling one every day or every minute even, you know? So there's like lots of different ways. But for me personally, the way I choose niches is I like to just kind of use my heart and be like, are people buying this item? Uh, Why not buy it from me? Yeah. Yeah. And and for for your dropshipping store, like how did you, what was the process of you thinking about the niche? Wow, I wrote down... I almost I came up with certain criteria um, that I wanted this time, you know, based on the mistakes of the first store. So it's definitely a higher price point. Um, I want to look at margins. I, I I came up with a list of 
70, 80 niches. Nice. <laughs> I mean, a long list. I asked, I asked people what they, they bought online. Um, I went on Wayfair.com. Because mm-hmm. yep. Wayfair.com is, a, I think, a billion-dollar company or industry. And a lot of people don't know, or maybe a lot of people do. It's all drop shipping. Mm-hmm. Like Wayfair.com, all they do is drop shipping. So you know there's all your niches and I mean there's there's thousand niches in there. So I would go on there, I would look, oh, okay, this is an interesting niche, you know, where then I would do a little research, I would call the manufacturer. Um I, well, a couple times I called the manufacturer and, and asked what their wholesale price is and they sent me a wholesale. So I wanted something with margins. Mm-hmm. Um so that that was the, the price point, something that had a decent margin. Mm-hmm. Um, I also researched competitors. I did keyword research, clicked on their websites, checked out what brands were selling that they were selling, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, and just kind of whittled down the, the, the niche. So you were calling the, these these manufacturers before you even had a site up? Yeah, a couple of them because I knew I, I went on their site and they had a pretty open drop shipping policy. Mm. Um, so I knew it would be easy to talk to them and they would uh, they would send over a wholesale site. I did not do that though. Once I chose my niche, okay. there was a, there was a couple suppliers that didn't really have that open door drop mm. shipping policy, and I knew they wouldn't take me serious. So I, I had the store. I didn't set up a store. I set up. I used oh, what was the name? I set up a like coming soon landing page site. Um, I can't think of the software I use. I mean, I, I had the logo done, mm-hmm. and it was just a one-page kind of coming soon. You could put your email. Looked, yeah, like a looked, splash page. Yeah, splash page. Like lead pages or something. Yeah, yeah. It, lo- it looked like really, really good, and, I, and they okay. checked that out. And then I also sold them on, you know, I had some experience. Um, I told them I was going to be using pay-per-click ads, and I had a budget, mm-hmm. marketing budget. And then, you know, after that, they, they approved me. Did they ask you how much your marketing budget was? Yeah, yeah, they they asked me. I, I I told them. I mean, right now I'm spending anywhere from two to four thousand dollars a month in ads. Oh wow, and in job streaming like, Yeah. And how much revenue is that bringing in? Last, I mean, I average per month anywhere between my lowest month. Well, when I started, I had a low month. I started okay. like two thousand dollars the first month. Okay. But my my highest month was about twenty two thousand. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And pretty decent margins. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's good margins. Uh, so with so with my my main store the one I, t- I talk about um, on my my blog Johnny FD I always post kind of in, in, income reports I've been hitting about thirty thousand in revenue per month and for nice. that store I spent about a thousand in ads uh, so I'm pretty happy with that but with Larissa store man we've had I don't know how much we've actually had in revenue I think about ten thousand dollars in revenue um, but the profit margins are insanely good. And I looked at my total advertising campaign, and I we've only spent because I was actually scared to be honest. I was like, because I didn't even look at my my advertising like my AdWords back end, and I'm like, man, like as long as it's less than a thousand dollars, like I like we're, we're we're set, you know, we're good. I looked at it, total lifetime ad budget, three hundred and fifty bucks <laughs> <laughs> for ten thousand dollars in sales. Yeah, yeah that's <clears throat> great margin. Yeah, and so. Like I, I really think like Larissa hit a home run, and I think um, the the reason why we found a good niche is we did exactly what you did. We made a list of <clears throat> we didn't have seventy. I think we had like forty to fifty niches, and we just did the research. We crossed them out. You know, we didn't call any of the suppliers beforehand because as Anton kind of he he you know kind of warns people in the in his videos. He says don't you know potentially mess up a relationship with a, with a potential supplier by calling when you're not ready yet. You know, like you want to have something to show, you want to know what you're talking about before you call them. And, you know, if it's something that, you know, if you do kind of his criteria and his niche research, then you have a you know pretty good chance. You're like, okay, I'm 99% sure this niche will work. I mean, nothing's for sure, but you're like, okay, if it's all his criteria, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it right. Um, versus, you know, a lot of people, you know, basically they burn bridges before they even start. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, the thing with... I mean, there's a lot of niches out there. You're never really going to know how much money you're going to make until you actually do it. Mm-hmm. But if you're smart about choosing the niche and you actually execute on everything like the Anton talks about, or if you have experience, you're going to make some money. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not, even if you don't make a whole lot, just that experience that you earn your next store. Like you're going to be so, so much ahead of, of everybody else. Yeah, but unfortunately, a lot of people will just like give up if the first one doesn't work. I mean, so with Larissa, I told her I was like, "Look, like I don't know if this niche is gonna work or not. This is, you know, I'm taking my best guess." Uh, and you know, thank like 
kind of thank goodness I didn't actually ask Anton if this is a good idea or not. Um, and he didn't mention anything either. And he kind of kept quiet. And it was after we started doing well, he messaged me. He's like, hey, you know, I don't want to say anything, but somebody had tried that niche a year ago and they failed because they couldn't get any, any suppliers. And he's like, but I don't want to say anything because then it might discourage you. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of just shows that like you really never know. You know, some of it's about timing. Some of it's about, you know, you know uh, how confident you are on the phone. Um, some of it is just, you know, how nice your, your demo site looks. You know, like even your one, you know, your easy splash page where it says coming soon. Uh, and a lot of it's just luck, to be honest. Because there's some suppliers where, you know, I just emailed them and they gave me an account <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then some people i had to talk to on the phone for like five days straight to get approved yep. um but i think of it the same way as what you did when you were going to door to door selling the cologne is i know my product you know is good i know i'm gonna i'm gonna work hard i'm gonna have good customer service you know i know that they should approve me you know they should let me sell my you know their stuff um and I know there's no, you know, really no risk for them except for them wasting their time. Yeah. And that's why people, lots of suppliers won't approve you isn't because of any monetary thing. It's just because they don't want you wasting their time. Um, and with the, you know, with the cologne, you know, you're, you know, basically, you know, by the fact that you're walking through a snowstorm, you know, you're, you know, going door to door, you know, it shows that you're dedicated and they're like, you know what, let me give this guy a shot. Yep. And and I knew it was it was all based on on leverage. So it, it was a new product. We're new, so we have to start first at the basic level consignment. There's just no other way it's going to start. But now that we have two stores, we can go to the third one. We don't have to tell them that we did the first two on consignment. All they're going to see is that oh, they're already in these two other stores. Then we get the third, and then the third store was actually one of a, a really nice. It's kind of nationally known. And once we got in that, we leveraged that because. Uh, People just want to make sure that you're serious. And once they see that you're one of their competitors, mm -hmm. you're with them um, or, or in a similar niche, you know, they'll, they'll want to hop on board as well. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking at your site and I just under Stockist. It's got all the stores that, that sell your stuff. You're in Arizona. You're in California, Colorado, D.C., Florida. I mean, you're in, you know, basically all around the country now. And you told me you just got, you know, you just got um, into Taiwan. Taiwan, yeah. Which is, which is dope. Um, and... You know, like some of these, you know, some of these stores are like multi-state stores, right? Um, no, I, all those are, well, not all of those. I, I'll take that back. We do have uh, one brand. We're in multiple stores um, for one brand. But those those are like independent boutiques, um, okay. you know, where, where we're at. And so what, what is your, like, what is your thought? Would you rather be in a lot of boutiques or would you rather be in a couple, a couple of big stores like a, like a Macy's or something? I mean, that's, that's the next step. But we had to start... You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of just taking taking steps, like not necessarily trying to skip to the to the big leagues. Like, like we knew we're, we're we're a small brand, so we have to start with independent stores and, and shops. Plus, those shops are more likely to give us a chance. Mm -hmm. Now we're in a position that we can get into a bigger store. Um, our our next step for Alfred Lane this year is, you know, help with the manufacturing process. And, and once we have the manufacturing process locked down then we know we'll be able to actually meet the demand from a larger store. We're just not ready for that right now. So. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, a lot of people kind of just get ahead of themselves. Like, I had a friend who wanted to make iPhone cases. And, you know, he somehow got a, a meeting with Best Buy because I think his dad knew someone. And they said, like, they're like, we don't care how good your case is. You know, we don't care, you know, like, price and stuff. You know, we can talk about that later. We care that you can actually deliver. And if people like your stuff, that you're not going to run out of stock. And he's like, that's what we care about most and foremost. So if you can't prove that, then we don't even want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Take take steps. Like, there's, there's, there's no need to. Uh, plus, you're going to learn so many things about your brand, your customers, your, your niche as you take those baby steps along the way. So you were doing all this when you're in Chicago. I mean, and you know, you had your, you had your partner, uh, but did you have? Were you surrounded by like other entrepreneurs or other people doing this? Uh, not a whole lot. My roommate at the time. Um, he's involved. He's like a freelance designer. Um, he started companies in the past, so we would always throw ideas, you know, around with him. So, yeah, I had two or three friends that was also entrepreneurs, but I wasn't a part of any big, you know, community. Um, a lot of people are, are more into to startups, mm -hmm. where you know it's it's more technology based, and you have to you know get a million dollars in investment and they're playing that type of game mm -hmm. i didn't want to play that type of game i wanted to play more of the just steady monthly income bootstrapping first yeah. 
let me get take care of that and then later on i might go for um you know a bigger shot like one of those so i actually listened to some of the startup podcasts there's one called this week in startup by uh jason catacallius or something yeah and i listened to it because I, I like it you know i'm interested in it but even though we're entrepreneurs we all work online their business model is completely different than than what we do i mean most of their companies they're not really looking to be profitable or make money they just want to you know float by and build their product uh, and have people invest, you know, you know, try to get people to invest $250,000. And then when that money starts running out, they try to get someone else to invest $250,000. And then eventually one day they have a Twitter, they have a Instagram or something. Um, with, with our model, my investment is a hundred bucks. I think I, my, my latest blog post on Johnny FD is uh, how much it costs for us to start a dropshipping store. And People kept asking, you know, I mean, that's probably one of the most popular questions. And I always just tell them, like, oh, it's not that much. Like, don't, you know, like, don't worry about it. It's, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But I never really sat down to, to price it out. And finally, I was like, how, all how right. How much did it, was your startup cost? So for this new store, I was like, all right, let me write down all the expenses. All right. And uh, we actually, so this, so normally I do it as a sole proprietorship. So you basically, as a U.S. citizen, you you know you just put the store under your name. You know you don't have to worry about forming a company or anything. This time I was like, you know what? I know how much money these stores make. Uh, it's about time I, I do a proper business. So I did LLC this time. So I got the LLC. And, you know we put up the you know the site. We had a you know someone make the logo. We had you know um, all the kind of back end costs. Bought the phone number. Bought the domain. You know. All the costs, one you know, one hundred percent of things that kind of can go into a store, uh, four hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> See, that's great. That's a, re- that's a great return on investment. Four hundred fifty dollars, yeah. and now you had like ten thousand sales. Yeah. Or something. So we made we made that money back uh, within the first week of us really making sales. I think we made one sale um, like right around Christmas, and then we didn't touch the store because we were on holiday. But like. The week we came back to Chiang Mai, we're like, okay, let's actually sit down and, and you know make sure the products are running, the ads are running. Uh, now we've been pretty consistent. We've probably been getting about five sales a week, and you know it's only really been up for a few weeks, and it's already made all that back. Uh, and what's what's cool is now this is basically a business that we have for life. Yeah. You know, and we're, and we're you know, and like we were talking about, you know, why can't you just build these stores and sell it? Um, for me, the reason why I don't is. A good return on selling a store is you get 18x your monthly profits, which is a lot of money. I mean, so if you're making uh, a couple thousand dollars a month from the stores, that might be a $60,000 payday just overnight. But for me, I'm like, you know what? The store's up and running and they really don't take that much time to to manage afterwards. I almost might as well just let it run for another 18 months and not deal with selling it or transferring it over to someone else. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's where I... I'm considering um, that my drop shipping store. I have a well, three options. One is to do what you just talked about, just just keep it. Um, that's probably what I'll do. I could sell it maybe in a year or two, um, but I'm probably gonna start the private brand and then then maybe sell it. But yeah, I, I'm more in your camp about that right now. Is I just enjoy having that residual income coming in each month, and it, I can decide how hard and how much I want to work on it. How much do you actually work on it? Uh, well, this month, I mean, I, I'm putting in eight, nine hours a day, mm-hmm. but I was traveling through Europe for three months in September, October, and November. <laughs> and I think one week I did actually only spend like five hours on it. It was almost like the four hour work, work mm-hmm. week. And I mean, again, that's not my goal is just to work four hours a week, but I want to have that option. It's so. nice to know that you can just keep it in maintenance mode, right? Yeah. Yeah, in the same way, like, so now that we've been back in Chiang Mai for this last two weeks I've been here, I've been at pun space, co-working space every day, every morning, you know, until 4 p.m. I'm just, you know, I treat it like a nine to five. I treat it like a, like a normal job. But um, last, you know, last month when I was in South Africa for Christmas, uh, I don't think Larissa logged into the business email at all those three weeks, even though she was originally planning to. But, you know, she's, you know we were with family, we we're hanging out. Uh, I would, you know, I didn't want everything to you know crash and burn so i would log in every every day or, or maybe every other day just for like an hour just to make sure there's no like vital emails or anything but i really didn't work that much and then when we were in borneo two months ago mm-hmm. we didn't even have internet because we're on this, <laughs> this island that you know was, was terrible 
but everything was fine. <laughs> so no, that's what I, I got my laptop stolen in in, oh. in Barcelona. And yeah, for a few days, I had to borrow like my roommate's laptop. Like I, I didn't. People would be like, "Oh, what do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, I have an internet business." And I'm like, "Well, I, I don't even have my laptop <laughs> right, right now." And and I'm an internet business owner, so yeah, it's it's definitely nice having that option. And and people work different way, different ways. I mean, I work in a way that I like to dedicate so many months to really work, work eight, nine, ten hours a day. Uh-huh. And then spend, you know, a month or a couple months, you know, um, just traveling and, you know, and chilling out. Yep. I like it. So what do you think of Chiang Mai so far? Yeah, I like, I like Chiang Mai so far. Okay. I mean, I heard about it a lot. You was a big influence okay. like, like for me even co- coming out. I had heard of it before, but, I've, I, you know, I listened to some of your podcasts. So, you know, when I left Chicago, I just got here on Sunday. So just a few days ago, it was negative 20 was the wind chill that Fahrenheit negative twenty? I, I get here in Chiang Mai. It's eighty degrees. People <laughs> wearing shorts. I'm like, this is great. So number one, you know, great weather. Um, two, it's it's affordable. The cost of living. I mean, so much cheaper than Chicago or some of the places um, I was at in Europe. Um, but the third, and this is probably the biggest thing, is just like you know the people I, I met. You know, you the other people at Pun Space. I mean, there's there's entrepreneurs, there's hustlers out here. People are, are hustling. Another big thing I noticed just today mm-hmm. is I haven't heard a complaint yep. since I've been here, mm-hmm. which is like that's that's amazing. Like in, in Chicago or even a normal kind of nine to five, people complain about everything. Here, people are not complaining. They're putting their head down. They're getting to work. Uh, you know, people are helpful. So yeah, it's a good spot. You know, I actually forgot about how big um, kind of negativity and, and complainers are in the U.S. Because when we went back to South Africa, Larissa brought that up. She's like, man, like, I forgot, you know, how people always complain about their jobs, complain about traffic, complain about work, complain about the weather. And it's just like one of those things where people just enjoy talking about misery loves company. But I think what it is also is there's probably not that much going on. You know, so people are bored. So that's what they talk about. <laughs> you know, I mean, here we are. We're talking. I mean. Like, we can either talk about, you know, how it's a little bit too hot here or, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, a good you know, problem. Yeah. Have. Or, like, you know, these little things. Or I can I can ask you, like, oh, you know, how'd you like Barcelona, Spain? You know, is there, you know, how's the scene out there? You know, you know what's cool to do out there? And I'd rather, much rather talk about, you know, your trip to Spain than I would complain about something. But back in Chicago, you know, where it's cold, people aren't, probably aren't really traveling you know, there's not really much going on, so that's what they want to talk about. They want to complain because yeah. that, that's all that's going on. Yeah, and, and, and people here, they're, they're looking for solutions. Like, there, there's no... Even I, you, you face problems, the, the the talk is more about, okay, how do we get this solved? How do we fix it? Yeah, yeah, how do we fix it versus just talk about the problem? Like, like it, it's a huge difference, and your environment matters a lot. Like, like it... I would say that's one of the, the number one factors of mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to do is just um, creating an environment that, that's, that's going to help you, you know, towards your goals. So, all right, so when you grew up, you grew up in Chicago? No, I, I've been in Chicago for five years. Okay. I'm, I'm originally from Missouri. Okay. So I've heard, I, you know, I've heard that place is nicknamed Misery, and it's because, you know, there's probably not that many jobs out there. People aren't that, that happy or like, what, no, it's what is not, that? Yeah, no, it, it's not, it's not that bad. Like, it, like it's not, it's just not really a spot for, for me in, in, in terms of long term. I mean, pe- people are nice people, but there's, there isn't as many opportunities mm-hmm. as, as a, a big city. Um, you know, when I was graduating, most people went into insurance or they like worked for enterprise or, or like that. That was pretty much all, all the options. And in Chicago, there's just so much more opportunities um, than you know smaller smaller cities in Missouri. Okay, so you grew up you know in a smaller city in Missouri. Uh, how like how, how did you get the entrepreneur mindset? I mean, like did your like is that what your parents did or like because I'm sure a lot of people that went to your school like they're probably you know working in insurance, working at you know Burger King or yeah. <laughs> no I. I really didn't grow up around any entrepreneurs. I mean, my, my, my parents did a great job with me, um, you know, in terms of I, I had everything, I, you know, I, I needed, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, middle class and whatnot. My mom, mom, you know, registered nurse, dad worked for the post office. A big thing for me is I chose to go study abroad okay. um, when I went to college. Oh, so uh, where'd you go? Um, I went to Madrid, Spain. 
So okay. I went for a quarter, and that changed everything. Right? Everything. Yep. I, I had never, I never heard like a full conversation in another language until I was 18 years old. Wow. Like it, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't even on my radar. And then, and then I went to study abroad, and that changed everything. And, and I think even, you know, um, yeah, that that was a big part of it. And another part of it was I did an internship once in college, and yeah, they just stuck me in the the office just the nine to five office cubicle and i and i would just think like is this is this it like is this what i'm gonna do for the next 30 40 like there has to be a, another way um and and, and so that's when i, I started uh, and another one i know this is probably a lot of people's influence was a four-hour work week yep. like i read that and and that also changed so those three things study abroad four-hour work week and just kind of the blase experience I had when I had a cubicle you know, internship. I think it's good to to experience them at the beginning then you know. Like for me, you know, I had a couple internships and they were they're okay. You know, it wasn't I was like, all right, this is all right. But I basically landed my my dream job when I got out of college. You know, it wasn't, you know, really a dream job. It was just a big American co- company. It's called Honeywell and you know, I had a good retirement plan, you know, good 401k and I was like, all right, this is it, you know? Yeah, I made it. I made it. <laughs> I got my own cubicle, you know, I got, you know, free coffee, you know, and then I wasn't happy and I was like, well, that was it. Like then what else is there? And that's, you know, when I kind of decided, I was like, let me try to do my own thing. Let me try to travel. So aside from also reading the 4 work week, it was also just taking that first trip. So, you know, if everyone listened to this, you guys are already taking that first step. And I'm, I'm sure half of you guys have read the 4-Hour Workweek, but if not, you've listened to enough you know, episodes of the Travel Like a Boss where it's kind of the same thing. You know, you just, you know you're inspired. You, you know, you kind of have some ideas on what other people are doing to make money. So why not you? Um, and if you haven't traveled yet, I would say that's the next thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that opened just my, my mind, my mindset uh, onto so many different types of people, different places. I remember when I was landing in Madrid and I was looking out the window I actually got upset and I was upset just because I, I, I thought to myself why didn't anybody tell me about mm-hmm. this like I could have went my whole life mm-hmm. and not even learned about this like so so it, you know definitely traveling is, is a great you know great um, first step and first the experiences you would get I, I remember thinking that exact same way when I first met scuba diving and I was like, man, why didn't anyone tell me how cool this is? <laughs> and like, it's almost like being able to go to outer space and nobody told you about it. And I'm like, man, you know, there's only like a hundred bucks, you know, and I learned how to do the, the basics of it in like an hour. And I was like, I thought this was impossible. I thought this was something for people on TV, you know, on, on Nat Geo or something to do. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, just some random kid can, can go out there, get, you know, pay a hundred bucks, you know, get taught a couple of things and, and then see this whole new world. You know, and I was genuinely upset. I was like, "Why didn't anyone tell me this?" No, no, I, I kept asking myself like that question. Um, yeah, and, and, and even now, like I said, I, I have two two companies that that are doing well, but I practice like the minimalistic lifestyle. I mm-hmm. sold or gave away everything. I sublet my sublet my apartment in uh-huh. Chicago. I sold or gave away everything, mm-hmm. and all I have is I have a backpack and I have one um, bag like in, in storage, and that's all. I own yeah and everything else that I own is like my businesses it's in the cloud or my inventory but that's that's all I need because I'm just big like on on experiences are worth you know so, so much more how's that feel now that you, you know there's nothing tying you down it's pure freedom <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't you can't put a price on that to be, you know I, I can live anywhere I want to in the world there's just no and, and that feeling you know my my livelihood is, is not tied to a boss or, or any one thing. Mm-hmm. E- even if I lost everything tomorrow, I now have enough knowledge. I could build that back up. Yep. And even though, e- even with the nine to five, I actually could go back to the nine to five. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I could go back is I know that it would only be temporary. Yep. And it would only buy me enough time to start another business. So if I was going to do a nine to five, I would actually get into sales. Like I would sell cars. I would just, I'd sell, I don't know. I mean, it'd have to be something I believe in, you know? It's, it's, like, I wouldn't want to sell, like, um, like a, a car I hate. But if I was going to sell, for, you know, work for, like, Lexus or, you know, or BMW or one of these companies that I actually like the product. Or if I was selling a product that, you know, I actually believed in, I would sell so much of it. Now that I've had this entrepreneur experience, I would, you know, think of, you know, ways to market outside the box. You know, I would, 
you know, I'll probably crush it. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to ever do that because I'd rather be able to travel, be able to not have a boss, be able to just, you know, get a hundred percent of the profit instead of, you know, getting what, 5% commission <laughs> or <laughs> whatever people would get. Oh man. But, I remember people, people would get so excited. Like at the end of the year, they, they would work so hard for their bonus and it'd uh, be like a 3%. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> you you worked like an extra 20 hours a week, worked uh-huh. on the weekends, and for 3%? And it's, you know what? Yeah, but man. it. When you're in that environment, it makes sense. You're like, well, that's the that's the no, does, that's the does. bonus, yeah, you know. And yeah, you know, I can either make my you know that's an extra three thousand dollars. I can go. I can take my kids to you know Disneyland for that. Or I can go on vacation for that. But what people don't realize is, if you worked that hard, you could have literally had a three hundred percent increase in your in your salary if you had owned your own business. No. Nope. Like I actually like I forget sometimes like with this new store. You know, that was a pain in the butt to start. Just, I mean, just to let you know, like right behind me, there's a sign that says 30 day challenge. And that's in our living room because I wanted to be reminded of that every single day. You know, that's why, you know, I posted about it on my blog when I was every week, just so I I was accountable, you know, because then I knew if I failed or I gave up, I'd have a whole (laughs) audience of people be like, hey, what happened to that new story? (laughs) Uh, But. What Larissa reminded me was like, she's like, you know, aren't you, you know, happy that it's up and running? I'm like, yeah, I'm relieved, you know, it's over, you know, because now she's handling all the day-to-day customer service of it. You know, we have someone in the U.S. picking up, picking up the calls. Uh, so nice. she's just fulfilling the orders, emailing people back and forth. But, I don't, you know, basically, I don't have to do anything with it anymore. And I'm, I'm just like, I, you know, I'm glad it's over. But she reminded me, she's like, no, no, aren't you glad that you have a whole new source of income now? Yeah. And it didn't even really hit me, you know. I didn't really even really think about it because I was just like, you know, like I wanted to do it because it was fun as a challenge. And I know the end goal is to make more money with it. But when I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? That might have just doubled my income. And I was already happy with the amount of money I was making. (laughs) And and then she's like, well, why don't we start another store? And now, at first I was like, instantly I didn't think about it. I was like, no, no, like I want to take a break. That was was a lot of stress. That was a lot of work. Mm Mm-hmm. But then now that I had a day to think about it, I'm like, you know what? If I can add another $4,000 a month to my paycheck that I don't even need that money and that can just go into investments or that can just go into a bank account, yeah. you know, why wouldn't I? Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's it. And not only have you created something that's given, you know, is, is giving you income, mm-hmm. it's an, actually, an actual asset you still can sell if you want to. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's providing you with monthly income and it's an asset that you could sell and, you know, get whatever, 100000 or whatever, you know, the valuation might be. Well, a lot of people don't do the math. but So let's say you just ha- you open a, a store that just does okay. You know, it makes $2,000 a month in profit. All right. So let's say you, you hold that for a year and a half. All right. That's times 18. That's, you know, $3,600. No, no, no. Sorry. 30, yeah, sorry. Yeah. $36,000, right? Um, and... That's good for, how, you know, that's basically a full-time salary for a lot of people. A lot of people back in the U.S., that's what they make a year. Yep. You know, and then now, you're, you know, you're location independent. You know, you're your own boss, so you can write off a lot of these expenses, all these travel expenses, you can just write it off. So it's not like you're, you're making 36 k and paying taxes on, on all of it. You know, now you can write most of it off. And then, let's say you decide to sell it after that. You basically, is my math right? No, 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 that's, that's too much. That's... I think it'd be that with the, without the zero. So it'd be sixty four thousand dollars you could sell it for. Sell it for, yeah. So not only did you make thirty six thousand running the store, you can also sell for another yeah. sixty four thousand. Yeah, which that, is, that's yeah. You're, you're getting income and you have a sellable asset. Like that's a, that's a no brainer. <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell us about this? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes I, I you know I ask myself too like man I should have started this you know ten years ago. But again you know you. You only know what you what what you know, but it's good that you know at least you know we we were able to to figure it out. And I think you know technically I started that clone almost ten years ago, but because there was no one else doing it, I had no one to talk to about it. There wasn't a course about it. There wasn't anyone really any info. I was just like, well, you know, that's kind of is what it is. You know, it's not going to get any better than that. Mm-hmm. But I think now that you have people openly talking about it, you have you know all this information out there. Now you can see like how big it really can yeah. be, and I, and I think a big challenge is having people, and I had to face this challenge as well that I could actually do it. Yeah, 
because it's so different from you know just a salaried you know position and you know I, I've had people say that well you know hey Archie like okay I make eighty thousand dollars a year I can't sell you know I can't build a store that makes eighty thousand dollars in income I'm like well you you're already valued at eighty if if they're paying you eighty thousand dollars that means you're probably making them a hundred and sixty thousand dollars that's true so the market is already telling you you're worth a hundred and sixty thousand dollars so why wouldn't you be able to do that for you that makes sense okay so at your paper click business like so when you had a salary job what were they paying you uh, I was making it was eighty thousand dollars, and then I had twenty thousand um, dollars. Like a bonus. bonus, yeah. That was my my cap. Okay, so you had, you were making six figures. You're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you just I mean, from a lot of people, they're like, man, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's that's basically the best job that you know someone can could think about. Yeah, it, it, it's not for, for me. It, it's never been. I, I've always been a pretty kind of basic, minimal type type of dude. I don't yeah. really need that much. I need you know a clean place. Nice bed, pillow, and and, uh, and I'm good. Especially after I studied abroad, yep. I wanted to be rich on experiences. Okay. Like that, that was my whole my whole goal. And and I, I definitely internalized like the whole four hour work week is that, you know, you're, you're how rich you are, how wealthy. There's like three things: it's income, it's your time. Mm-hmm. Do you own your time? And then like your location. And and I would much rather make a little little less. And you are, of course, in the beginning. In the long term, you're going to make more than that. But in, in the beginning, I'd much rather make less, but be able to... I mean, in the last, in the last six months, mm. like I've been in like 12, 13 different countries. Mm. I don't make right now what I'm paying myself. I don't make any more than what I did working for somebody else. You, you don't need a million dollars to do all these cool things and, and, and experiences. You, you just need control of your time mm-hmm. and control of your location. Yeah, because, I mean, basically, in Chiang Mai, I'm doing everything that I'd want to do. I wouldn't want to live in a bigger condo than this, and I'm perfectly happy with it. I wouldn't want to eat, you know, two steaks instead of one. You know, I wouldn't want to, like, basically, there's nothing else I want. And so any extra money that I make is just kind of going into, into my in checking account. And then we can use that uh, that money to travel to do other stuff. And what like recently, you know, I think since I'm getting a bit older now, and I started really kind of appreciating my parents more. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to give back to them. You know, so last year I paid the property taxes. Uh, they're coming out here to, um, to to Thailand in a few weeks, and then I'm gonna pay for, you know, I'm I'm gonna get their hotel rooms. I'm gonna try to just pay for as many things as I can. Uh, and this is things that you know make me happy now because you know mm-hmm. it it kind of allows me to give back. You know, mm-hmm. like so, what are you what are you spending your money on? I mean, I, I hardly spend travel, like plane <laughs> tickets, um, Airbnbs. I mean, that, that's basically what I spend my money on. Um, and most, so uh, most people back in, let's say, Chicago or, um, or Missouri, like what are they spending their money on? Crap, more clothes and shoes or something. Like, I, got, I don't need, I need two pairs of shoes. That, okay. That's all. I, I need like some nice, like kind of shoes to go out in and some shoes to work out in. That's. That's it. I don't. I don't need any anything more. Like, like, and I think sometimes when you're in, like, the nine to five, you work so hard that you want to spend money so it, you can justify that to yourself all yep. the work that you put in. But when you remove that, then you, you're not in that mindset, and you just want to get. You want to experience as many things in life. You want to. You want to learn languages. You want to meet people. You want to learn new skills, and those things become more valuable. Then you know the new some shoes or something like that. So instead of spending two hundred bucks on shoes or a thousand dollars on a bag, you know, or <clears throat> you know, buying new rims for the car, now you can basically buy a plane ticket anywhere in the world. Yeah, I'll take off to like I was in Barcelona. I went to Ibiza. It was an eighty-five dollar round trip ticket. That's crazy. Like what? Like I, you don't need a lot, a lot of money. You know, to fly from Barcelona to Rome was forty-two dollars. Mm. Like 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 you don't, but. Because I have control of my location and my time, uh-huh. I'm, I'm able to do that. I like that. So, everyone out there listening, if you, you know, even if you know, even if you have a hundred thousand dollar a year job, realize that you're worth a hundred thousand dollars or more to that boss. So you can, I mean, you could probably be doing the exact same thing, but for yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be making double that. So that that, that was really good advice. I actually never heard that anywhere before. Um, so, you know, I know some of you guys are listening and you're like, oh, but you know, I'm a, I'm a nurse. I can't be a nurse for myself, 
But I'm sure you can take those same skills that you know that you do as you know as a nurse, and you can say, how can I transfer this into my own business? Yeah, well, you, you, you're already worth. If they're paying you that, you're already worth that. Mm-hmm. Like to the market, just turn it. You know, do do that for your for yourself. And even if it's not directly, like it's obviously you know your work ethic, your skills, the amount of hours you're putting in, that can directly be be turned into your own income as well. So. Thank you for coming on the show. I like that a lot. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Like, like even for me, this is, I, you know, it's kind of even hard to believe because I, I listened to, I think it was your first or second episode and, you know, like you inspired me and then now here I am like actually on the podcast. And now I you inspire other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, a, it's a crazy cycle, man. It's like, it really is a cycle cycle. So if you guys are listening to this, there's a very good chance that a year from now, you're going to be traveling, you're going to be on the show, and you're going to be like talking about the two businesses you have that are making <laughs> how many thousand dollars a month, you know? Yeah. I like it. All right, uh, so people want to reach out to you. How can they get in touch? Um, yeah, my email is just archie at alfredlane.com. Okay. And if you guys want to check out the cologne, it's uh, alfredlane.com. I'll, I'll have a link to it. It's pretty dope. I mean, honestly, if you guys travel, which I'm sure all of you guys do, just buy a couple of these and just have them around. And if anything, you know, it's you know you're kind of supporting the brand you know uh, you know give give a shout out on Twitter or on Facebook to the brand once you get it as well if you guys uh, take a picture with the cologne uh, send it to me on Facebook and I'll blast it out to everyone as well just so you know you guys can see that you know not only are, we're basically a tribe you know the travel like a boss podcast was just me before now it's you know basically all the people that are that have been on the show all the listeners and now the listeners that are now on the show. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. (laughs) All right, see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.